Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me on the rip today is Spaceball, creative director from Ball Bitcoin. I'm sure you all know who Ball Bitcoin are. If not, go and check them out. They're based out of Canada and a very well-known Bitcoin-only maximalist company doing great work and have been doing for a long time under the stewardship of your boy Francis. So... Go check him out, especially if you are in Canada. Uh, we get into a lot of different rabbit holes here. We get talking about NFTs and artwork and all kind of manner of things and Spaceballs, uh, previous fiat life and what led him to Bitcoin. You know, all of the fun stuff, the rabbit hole stories and more. Before you do get into the interview, please make sure you are supporting the show sponsors. There are many companies out there that have been working very hard for the last handful of years to make sure that there are services in place for us to use so we can stack Bitcoin. So do your own research, find out which ones are best for you. Swan Bitcoin are based out of the US. They've got a host of different services now. They are growing exponentially all of the time. You can download their app. They've got the app up and running. Their flagship product is dollar cost average. So you can just set it and forget it and stack Bitcoin as you sleep even. They also have a white glove service and they are helping financial advisors as well. So if you've got a lump sum to buy and you need that extra bit of handholding and help, they are on your side. Make sure you're checking them out. Swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. Equivalent kind of service across this side of the pond is Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash bitten. Download the app, use the code BITS and save on commissions. They also have Relay Private, just like Swan do. They also have Relay for businesses. So now businesses looking to get onto a Bitcoin standard can reach out to Swan. You will get walked through the whole process. Coin Corner are based out of the Isle of Man. They serve the UK and Europe, and they have Lightning withdrawals via their bulk card product, which is absolutely brilliant, and lots more to come from the Coin Corner team as they expand into the Middle East to surf the Middle East and Asia. This thing is not going to stop, guys. If you want KYC-free Bitcoin, hodlhodl.com. Hit the link in the show notes to save, to save on commissions. That is a peer-to-peer -peer global trading platform. You can trade out of any fiat currencies into Bitcoin. And you can also get to their Honey Badger conference, which is going to be coming up at the start of September. So look out for Hoddle Hoddle, hit the links in the show notes, and start your journey in the peer-to-peer KYC-free world. If you want to up your privacy on the stack you already have, you can use a CoinJoin service. Do your own research. There are a few out there. Trade-offs everywhere you look in life, especially in Bitcoin. You can use wasabiwallet.io. Just simply download it, create a wallet, run some coins through it, and you are good to go. The software handles everything. And if you are not holding your own keys, you should be. Get a Bitbox O2 Bitcoin only hardware wallet from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten. 
We've got some conferences coming up, Miami, Prague, and Liberty in our lifetime towards the end of the year. Make sure you attend. Enjoy this rip with Spaceball. We are recording with, uh, with your boy at Spaceball, uh, or Madex, uh, the creative director at Bull Bitcoin. Uh, nice to have you on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Well, I've got Lauren here on my shoulder. You can't see that because uh, this is out without video that we're doing this. So Lauren's here to fire away with the first question. So brace yourself. Um, okay. So what is your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Um, the, the friends I've made. That's definitely the best part. The, the quality of people um, that I've been able to connect with around the world from all different kinds of walks of life and, and different places. And yet we're united by the same principles. There you go. Farrington would approve. Yeah. <laughs> he, he says the yield is the friends you make along the way. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense to you? Yeah. But I got another question. Go on. <laughs> okay. okay. So did, Bitcoin get you into painting or were you into painting a long time ago? No, I was into painting a long time ago, pretty well my, my life. Um, I've always been into making and creating stuff and yeah. And then um, I guess Bitcoin just kind of fit perfectly, giving me something to paint about. Good question. Thank you. Do you have any follow-ups? You're welcome. <laughs> I don't think so, no. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Yep. Anyway, it's bye. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's dig into that then. Growing up as a um, a creative, I suppose, is what you'd, you'd call yourself. Yeah. Uh, what what sparked that off as a, as a young man? Um. Well, I, I grew up in the countryside. Um, there was no television um, or cable or anything like that uh, growing up. So that, that helped a lot. Um, and uh, I, my parents were both creative and both very encouraging for um, myself to pursue, I, I guess, projects and make things and build stuff and uh so that was kind of the the origin, and I guess it was just a way to stay entertained. Um, I read a lot, and then uh, things I would read about, I would try and make them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I kind of, I guess, painting stuff, I guess it's like school supplies and stuff that I guess was the start of it. Um, and I always uh, drew a lot. And uh, that, yeah, just kind of, it was the thing that I was best at was making. Um, and then that, I guess, led to eventually the creation of Madex and and where I am today. So the, the countryside of where? Are you USA, Canada? Alberta. Alberta, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It can be pretty remote in those parts. Yeah, uh, it wasn't too bad um, for me, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a journey to get into the city, um, which when I was very young was awesome. Uh, it was it was great. And, you know, people I was friends with, it, we were all kind of kept ourselves entertained with the same activities. 
Um, and then of course, as soon as girls become interesting, it's pretty annoying to be living in, in the country. You want to be in the city. Um, and then after a couple, I guess, a couple of years of living in the city, I realized that the city is shit and I want to get back to the countryside. <laughs> Love it. All right. So was your creativity, it's tough to be a student, right? And have that kind of creative vibe because growing up, they just want to put you into a little box of, um, you know, sit down, shut up and do as we say, and don't be creative and don't think critically. Did, yeah. did you suffer at all? Did you, you know, oh, yeah. schooling? School is prison for me. Um, it was fully prison. It looked like a prison. It felt like a prison. It was horrible. Um, I started, my parents had me started in Montessori and that was awesome. Um, I learned more when I, when I started grade one, I was ahead of the other kids in the class by years. Um, and I basically was so bored. I remember like leaving Montessori to go into grade one. Um, I could count to any number, like I could count to a million. I could do, um, you know, basic multiplication, basic division, addition, subtraction. Um, and I remember coming into the first class I had in grade one of public school was numbers one through 10. And it was like this farm clock thing where you, I, I just remember being like doing it in like two seconds and then being bored for, I think it was, it was probably about five years until um, public school caught up to what I already knew entering from Montessori. So um, Lee, I found out recently that Montessori can actually go up to grade nine in Alberta. Um, so I wish I had stayed there or that my parents had kept me there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, every, everything about public schooling is designed to put, put you in chains, um, and keep you, keep you in a box and keep you a, uh, cog and sort of the state's machine, right? That's why they're so interested in pretending to, uh, fund it and, you know, convincing people to hand over their children to the state. I speak naively about kids right now because I don't have them yet, but um, with all the power that I can muster um, when I do have children, they'll never set foot in public schools. I love it. I absolutely love it. And um, yeah, pop, that word public is a psyop, by the way. It's state. It's state yes, school. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. And yeah, th this is one thing I am so hopeful for the future, for the bright orange future, that the Bitcoiners will all be listening to this. And what, what, they've listened to this show probably now for, I don't know, I've been running it three years and this is a common thread within the show. But those people that are turning up new to it, like the biggest feedback I get about the show are these conversations, these exact conversations where people all of a sudden, you know, they've been orange pilled maybe on the monetary system. But now they get yeah. an orange pill on the the state education system. They go hand yeah. in hand. Well, it's so it's so. I mean, the money is just the root cause to all of these issues and why we see them because it screws up the incentives for you know how people operate. And um, the the state just needs slaves essentially, right? That's what we are, serfs. 
Um, so every single program that it has is in place for some sort of level of control over us. I like to say that um, public healthcare, again, a psyop, state healthcare is the literal manifestation of Satan. It's the most horrific and cruel thing that has ever manifested and existed. Um, the idea that your body is the same as a vehicle, like a car, if something goes wrong, you can just go into the shop and get it fixed. Um, you know, the, and this, all these, when you, when you start into Bitcoin, there's the financial side of it, but then every single piece is linked. So like the healthcare is linked to the food supply. Um, the food supply is linked to education. Um, pretty, pretty much most of the government programs are able to stay in place because people are brainwashed for 12 years um, here in America for so 12 years of state brainwashing. Um, and then if you go on to university and continue on, um, it's, it's even more. So you, you, in some cases, you're looking at, you know, 22 years of uh, state brainwashing that causes you to believe that these systems could not exist without the power of the state. Um, and I guess because money is kind of what we all are most focused at, I guess it's the most kind of forefront thing because when you're, when you're growing up, you learn about it and then you want to get it and you see what's possible with it. And, uh, I, I think that's what, you know, gets us into it at least. I mean, that, that's what got me into it for sure. In the beginning was just, I, I just wanted to build stuff. I wanted to make things. So that was my reason for acquiring wealth. And um, discovering Bitcoin and seeing, you know, people, you know, lives changing from it was definitely a hook that got me into it. Um, but in order to understand properly how Bitcoin works, you have to understand monetary policy um, and you have to understand money. And um, so in, or in order for me to properly understand Bitcoin, I had to get into all of that. And then that just kind of, I guess, took the, pulled back the curtain on everything that's, everything that's been going on out there. Um, you know, it, again, that I, I feel like for the first, until I entered public school, my life was excellent. I was surrounded by extremely good influences, um, all like within my family and, and um, the stretches of my family, like successful entrepreneurs and, and builders and, and creators. And um, I spent a lot of time with my dad going out to construction sites and job sites and seeing how things were put together. And then, uh, you know, entering school, it was just, I was off to such a good start. And then it was, it was actually just prison for 12 years. It was, it was brutal. Um, the, the, the only things I can say that like were valuable that I took with me, obviously the social aspect is important, but, um, uh, and this is actually an argument I get a lot of times from people saying that, Oh, well, the kids should go to public school so they can socialize with other kids as if homeschooling is this isolating event. It's absolutely not at all, especially, um, it, I mean, the most obvious one is having your children involved in sports. Um, but then as well, you connect with the other families that obviously have similar beliefs um, to you do for the same, because their children are also, you know, not in the system. Um, and so there, there's more than enough opportunity um, to build community and to socialize your children um, 
in, in the homeschooling world. Um, the isolation thing of homeschooling is fully a psyop as well. <laughs> it totally um, but anyway, then I, then, yeah, then I entered, uh, I guess after the school stuff was done, it was kind of like 12 year. I had to like unlearn 12 years. So I feel like now I'm kind of finally through the unlearning process where like the damage from the indoctrination is, is kind of peeled back. Um, and you know, cause I, I always, um, but fortunately was taught not to trust the government due to kind of where some of my family roots come from. Um, but still at the same time, it, it's when you're young, it's hard to believe that it, it really is such a colossal lie. Um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time kind of unlearning things and, and uh, I think it's gotta be like 90, 90% is optimistic of what we learn in public school is just, absolute garbage couldn't agree anymore you're on the right pod uh let, let I mean, i'm happy to keep on pulling on this thread it's interesting what you said about uh 12 years or in some cases more of what, what you deemed to be prison what many of us deemed to be prison and peter gray who is a you know is a clinical psychologist he's he has compared schools to prison before as well. And people think that this is such a hyperbolic thing to say. But when you actually listen to the reason, you know, it is very, in fact, there's probably less freedoms for a child in a school than there is for a prisoner in a jail. Yes. And this is what we're doing to kids. And this is, yeah. you know, is complete and utter, you know, craziness to me. Um, they're, they're held there against their will, learning things they had no interest or expectation to be learning that day, but it's just force fed down their necks like they're geese, you know, being fattened yeah. up for, uh, you know, slaughter and the foie gras. But, you know, yeah. and, and then you think about, so if you're trapped in it for 12 years, think about the teachers that are teaching you. Let's say the average age of the teacher in the school is anywhere between 35 and 50. Let's just take... An example of a 50-year-old teacher that's teaching uh, math, uh, uh, you know, to 13, 14, 15-year-olds. That 50-year-old yep. teacher has been in school for 45 years. Yeah, like, that's... That, <laughs> that is a captured mind. There is absolutely, like, there is... Yeah. You oh my God. It. I mean, <laughs> because I caught, I mean, that, and that's why it's such an issue. I think even just preaching um, anything related to Bitcoin is just because there's just so it's like a, a hard crusted over shell over and over and over again, you know, and to, to get through with something that, that truly, you know, challenges, like just ex being able to accept that the state is thieving and stealing from us on an inconceivable level is, you know, that that's impossible for someone who's been indoctrinated to, to believe. Um, it doesn't matter what you, what you really show them. They're just so trusting. Um, it's it's very unfortunate. And this is what I find very interesting about people like safe. Uh, you know, he was, uh, PhD, economic, Keynesian economic teacher, 
at you know very high, uh, highly regarded universities, kicked it all to the sideline as soon as he found Bitcoin. Like it's just oh my god, I cannot teach this shit anymore. But that was his life's work up until that point. But to have the ability and the bravery to, you know, pull the ripcord and get the fuck out and stop indoctrinating, you know, young minds, um, and and go out and take a real Hail Mary at writing a book about Bitcoin and starting an entrepreneurial pursuit at the age of like, mid-30s, maybe 40 years of age. I mean, fucking hats off, mate. Like that that's huge. And and Troy Cross, he's 50. He's just walked away from uh, a guaranteed job at his university where he's a PhD in philosophy to try and educate as many people he, as he can about how Bitcoin is not bad for the environment. These are huge plays from people that, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when, when you're older, you reach a point where you are, if you're intelligent, you can kind of weigh out what actually matters in life. Um, and I think as, as, as men, we really have a desire to make some sort of impact and some sort of difference. And um, there's very few things uh, around that you can kind of become involved with today that actually have the potential to, to really, I guess, as job said to ding the universe. And I think Bitcoin is certainly one of those things. Um, and especially if, if kind of, you've got a bit of a financial foundation to, um, to stand on and then it's, it's kind of a, it's a no brainer in a way. I mean, if your priorities are straight. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what Bitcoin does as well, right? It realigns your your priorities, I suppose. It, it definitely organizes your thoughts in ways that you never thought were, uh, you know, were even possible. It's interesting though as well. I've been trying to explore the touch points people have had in their life prior to Bitcoin, sometimes even decades before Bitcoin was even discovered. And you, you've already touched on a few things that touch points in your life, like obviously this this schooling situation. Uh, what you what you kind of experienced there, I suppose, would be pure time theft. Yeah, yeah. Um, I <laughs> a lot of things, I guess, make you kind of prone to it. Um, but I mean the the. I think it's in, entirely just distrust of of a system and having kind of the courage to ask questions and and uh, I guess the ability to see incentives. I've had some, several conversations at length with um, Dave Bradley about a sort of uh, code, a sort of like um, I call it like the code of traders which isn't like a great name because traders i mean as in uh, like tradesmen and people mm -hmm. who trade with each other but obviously it's another word as well yeah but there's sort of a, a kind of underlying code of kind of the way of of what's good and and what's right and uh, i think it's kind of instinctive in us um at least in in, in america for sure and um I think just the closer you were in your life before Bitcoin to following that code, um, you know, principles like honesty and, and truth and, you know, things like uh, were 
the country of Alberta I'm in, um, handshake deals mean a great, great amount. Um, yeah, I have another line that goes around here a lot, which is, uh, my name is my name. Um, so there's a lot of that sort of, I guess, honorable, those honorable characteristics that sort of when Bitcoin comes along, it, it's sort of Bitcoin is just the money for it. Um, and so I think, yeah, the, the, the more, the closer you are to that sort of code, that the easier it is to kind of grasp the power that, that Bitcoin um, holds, right? Yeah, totally. hundred percent. And so what was going on then before you, because right, you, you work for uh, Bull Bitcoin now, I'm assuming there was something in between you leaving school or college. Uh, what, what, we, what did you find yourself doing in the interim there? Yeah, I got out of, uh, I got out of school and um, I, for about a year and a half, I was working in the music industry um, with a friend and uh, putting together things like music videos for artists and, um, you know, or, organizing uh, marketing and branding for artists and recording sessions and things like that. Um, and then that was for about a year, just kind of for fun. And then I, uh, went over to, um, another city to go to a technical school and ended up in fashion design and, and business management in, in the fashion industry. Um, so I studied that for, for two years. Um, and kind of, so I, my base in understanding, I guess, all businesses comes from the fashion industry, from cotton fields, um, you know, through fabric weaving into patent drafting, into cutting, into manufacturing, into marketing and display windows and merchandising, things like that. Um, and then, uh, after that, when I, when I finished, I went into, I wanted to learn sales. So I went into, um, I had a friend who was working at a car dealership at the time. So I went and worked a, a car dealership for a while, learning learning about all that. And then uh, just knew they were trying to kind of plug in lifers there. And so I knew that wasn't for me. So I left. And then I was kind of just messing around with uh, several different, I guess, startups and ventures and trying to build things. And then how I originally discovered Bitcoin was in... Um, I guess 2012 and I wanted to build a automatic savings um, program that could kind of plug into your debit card or, or your credit card spending habits. Um, it was sort of like a self tax and you could um, tax your, your financial behavior based on kind of how you wanted to incentivize your behavior. So I guess the example, example I use is if you wanted to buy cigarettes, there would be, you know, a 50% tax on top of um, the price. And if you were buying groceries, there would only be a 5% tax and you could kind of set all these uh, levels for yourself. And then the idea being that you just kind of live your life normally. And at the end of a couple of years, you'd have uh, accumulated a fairly large savings account. I had kind of determined at that point in time that the real problem um, and especially for young people, it's just difficulty saving money. Um, and, you know, I was naive to think it was because there, you know, there, it should be, there should be a better tool for doing it. Um, when obviously now I know what the, the real problem was. Um, but getting into that, uh, built it out 
quite extensively. Um, and then the next step was to start working with banks. And so I got a taste of uh, the bureaucracy at banks and just how uh, completely insane it is um, to attempt to do anything new in their, uh, in their infrastructure. And um, it, it ended up being, it was going to be, I, th I think the numbers were like 10 to 15 million, something like that, um, just in licensing, legal fees, insurance, all, all sorts of just fiat garbage um, before we could even test test the product and start using the product. And then on top of that, we'd have to actually find a bank that agreed to work with us on it. And at the time I had a, a pretty radical libertarian friend who was like, man, it's too bad. Bitcoin is like not a huge thing yet because this would be perfect. You could just build the technology and patch it into Bitcoin. Um, and then that was my, what the fuck is Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then, you know, that, that same friend was very, really good at um, kind of breaking a lot of the things that had been programmed into me. And um, we had lots of conversations about kind of the way things work. And, you know, it starts, I think like it starts quite, uh, there's those uh, zeitgeist film series, which are terrible films, <laughs> but you know, when you're young, they get you thinking and there's some good, con you know, everything is nuanced. There's some good content and things. And um, there's some things that are 95% bad content, but the 5% of good content makes it worth, you know, going, going through the other 95%. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I guess that kind of started that journey. And then I was basically just trying. And then meanwhile, throughout the whole time I was doing art on the side um, and making clothes and t-shirts and things like that. And, I was selling like little drawings that I would do with Sharpies and stuff and like other dollar store supplies, um, kind of just walking up and down um, the beach in the area that I was at and uh, selling, selling to people that were just trying to enjoy their day on the beach. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so a bunch of entrepreneurial things, I guess. And then um, most of them were failures. A couple were big successes. Um, but, you know, none of them fulfilling for what I wanted to do. And then uh, in, I guess, started really seriously getting into Bitcoin again in about 2015, 2016. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, you know, there's the, the whole rise of the all the blockchain stuff and all, all the shitcoin stuff and all, all the drama around uh, no 2x. And uh, so that was kind of like my learning, uh, you know, process. And then uh, through just uh, in Alberta here, we have a very strong Bitcoin community and I got connected to the right people in it and made some friends. And then one thing led to another, um, ended up <clears throat> just being in the right place at the right time for uh, the creation of bull Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, been going, going strong since and uh, continuing to develop the art project along along the way as well that's awesome man well okay i've got i've got a few questions for you sure. uh first of all that that idea of yours to 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 have that kind of savings technology app is is freaking awesome um 
Yeah, we we, we're we have a, at building it in Bitcoin. Yeah, currently, but it just doesn't quite work in the same way because uh, it works off spending, right? Yes. And currently, Bitcoin just on its own is good, is great savings, right? Um, so, but there there's some ways that it can be patched in. So we're working with it. But there's a few. There are a few companies out there. Um, the, the problem is it's all tied to, to KYC because it's tied to your uh, debit card or, or credit card or whatever. I mean, the, the, the two that come to mind, there's one in Europe called Bitstack, uh, mm. which is, um, you know, like it, it's, tied to, it's tied to your ATM card, your, your debit card. So every because you're still forced to use the fiat rails pretty much everywhere, if you're using your card to buy groceries anyway, why not stack the... The, the the 80 cents of change into bitcoin and put that on yeah. a 2x or 5x multiplier right it's it it's amazing how quickly it adds up it's crazy and i know it's coin bits in the us i think are doing the same thing yeah yeah it's good i mean like the the basis of a healthy civilization is a savings account so 100% can do to get people stashing cash away i mean that's been a huge benefit with bitcoin currently is um it has people thinking about the future um, as opposed to in <clears throat> the fiat world where it doesn't really make too much sense to think about the future because all of your assets are just piles of melting snow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good up. that companies are working on that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I've, I've introduced a handful of noobs, pure noobs, to Bitstack here in Europe. And it blows them away when I just, it's like, like, here's the code, download it, just attach your card like you would any, you know, you're going to put your card details into Amazon or whatever else. These people yeah. are used to doing that. And I know privacy gang and no, YK, no KYC gang, you're going to hate me for saying this, but if we want to get to mass adoption, not <laughs> there's probably, the reason there are so few of us is because there are so few of us willing to ask the question, what is money? Mm-hmm. Whereas if we can turn that from a question into a statement, we, 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 there's no losing. So if the statement is, oh shit, I've just downloaded this app and now I'm buying Bitcoin and Bitcoin is money, like that's the statement. Bitcoin is money. That's what we need to put in people's minds. Uh, then mm-hmm. then there's no stopping it. Then they're in the rabbit hole. Then they'll go and find no KYC sats if that's where they're going to go. Like if, if that's that's their next step. Please, please go and do that. Um, but yeah. we've got to touch them first. We need these touch points. And these Trojan horses yeah. are, are brilliant ways to do it. Yeah, I mean, um, onboarding new people is great. Um, but it's important to remember that we also don't really need any new people um, for the primary purposes that Bitcoin is securing now. I mean, there is, I think, <clears throat> a lot of times, especially people who are new to the space, forget that settlement happens every 10 minutes, that the network is running. Um, and it's easy to feel like nobody's using it um, when, you know, if you're in some town in the middle of nowhere and you're the only person who knows about Bitcoin or, you know, there's not many people at your meetup or, or whatever, but um, you know, it, 
globally, it's it's at a level where it's it's not going anywhere, and it, it's a tool more than anything. And the fact that um, right, it, it's for transferring transferring wealth, and um, you know we can save in it, and that's great. But uh, it's interesting to see, like, I don't know what it is that like hooks people into it. I guess, I guess it is that like, okay, this is, this is money. Um, hope, but I think, yeah, people are so devoid of hope. It's such a long road to like understanding why, why it is hope. Um, it's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a barrier. I think with that, I mean, like most people just don't care at all. That, that, that's, that's the hardest part. Um, Absolutely. I don't know. I'm not, I don't really know what I'm, I'm trying to say here, but I mean, but, the thing is, but, is that like on, onboarding at a, at a huge scale is, is not really, it's not mission critical. It's, it's perfectly fine for Bitcoin to move slowly. Um, Cause again, the, the really the only, you know, the individual can protect the, the wealth of their, their own wealth and their family's wealth. Um, by choosing to save in Bitcoin and by choosing to use Bitcoin to uh, for settlement, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of losing my train of thought there, but uh... that's fine, man. It's, it's difficult, right? It, it, these these discussions, this is where we go. We just go around and around trying to. Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember what I was going to say. I was going to say like the, what what what's important is that we're we're building wealth outside of bitcoin um and that bitcoin isn't this thing that people think about it like a stock like oh i'm gonna buy this stock and the price is gonna go up i'm gonna you know build this small savings account and i'm gonna be so rich one day um it's got to be you know this this is this is a tool so you have to be thinking about savings without 100x savings as if it's just regular money and same with, um, you know, your behavior, right? I think we have a big problem right now with people who are maybe not working great jobs or not in great places financially, and they just start buying Bitcoin and then they just want the price to go up because they think it's their exit. The real exit is is to develop yourself, right? And and to build, build yourself out and improve the opportunities for yourself and for your family. Um, you know, and then Bitcoin's just just the tool that's there. And you know, if it if it goes up, that's awesome. That's great, great for us. But it shouldn't be the. I think it's a bad place to try and hook people in as like to onboard users and be like, oh, you you should get some bitcoins because you know, price is going to go up, right? Yep, Things like that. Anyway. Totally agree. <laughs> and and that circles back around to your answer to Lauren's first question. You know, it's the people you've yeah. met. It's the friends you've made. Uh, and w- when you extrapolate that, you, this is what changes society, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's the killer app of Bitcoin. The, the, the killer app of Bitcoin are the people. Yeah. Well, and people just thinking thinking clearly. Yeah. <laughs> But it's all, I mean, it's just hard. thinking. I mean, if you look at the whole Bitcoin community, there's probably, yeah, just thinking is even difficult to get to. Um, you know, I think, I think there's a Matt, like I had a tweet that did pretty well the other day that was saying, like, you know, 
99% of Bitcoiners can't explain what the mandrake mechanism is. And, you know, these are the things that I think somehow need to be added to like the first things you learn when, when you, when you get into Bitcoin, you know, is how that, that's why I think like the Bitcoin standard is a great book, but the fiat standard is much better. Um, especially for onboarding people because the fiat standard explains fiat. It's like, this is what you're using right now. You know, it's, it doesn't become a sales pitch like the Bitcoin standard. And a lot of these Bitcoin books in a way are their sales pitches. They're like, here's why Bitcoin is so great. People don't care about hearing why Bitcoin is so great because they don't realize how completely mangled the system that they're currently using is. Um, so that's kind of, I think, the best first step for onboarding is just somehow getting people to become interested in what money actually is. Um, and, and then also, like, once you go through books like the Fiat Standard and anything that's kind of in, in similar, like the Creature from Jekyll and all that, you really see the scale of the, of the problem and you see how corrupt and, and you can see the theft. And then all of a sudden it kind of switches then it's like, okay, now, like we got to change this. We got to, we got to solve this. What's the solution? And then I think that's kind of the perfect time for then Bitcoin to land. It's like, you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't know the ship is sinking, then you're not looking for the lifeboats. All right. Let's, let's unpack it. The Mandrake mechanism. We can't leave that hanging. Yeah. What, what, explain it? Yeah, yeah, let's go. This yeah, is so what the plebs love, right? You know, getting to the bottom yeah. of these things. I, I know it was in the, the Creature of uh, Jekyll Island. I couldn't tell you, I, uh, you know, word for word what it, what it is. So yeah. let's, let's well, unpack it. I mean, the, the, shortest, the shortest summary is that it's an accounting trick that um, allows the Federal Reserve to produce money from nothing. Um, and that's why it's called the, the Mandrake mechanism, uh, named after the Mandrake the magician. Um, like the Fed converts debt into money. And it, it, so the money doesn't actually exist until somebody borrows it, then the money is created. And then when somebody repays it, then the money goes away. So the entire US dollar, if there was no debt, there would be no money. Um, which obviously is a pretty ridiculous system, especially when you look at kind of the fundamentals of, of um, what money is um, for it to just not exist. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm, it's basically like they shuffled the books around so that the money appears out of nowhere and using bonds, they, they loan it out. And then it, it's pretty amazing how candid they are. There's actually lines of the Fed explaining and, and being interviewed by Congress. And they're asking things like, well, how are you able to purchase these bonds? And then the Fed responds like, well, we, we, created, we created the money. <laughs> so like these things are at the core of the fed are important for anybody to understand. Cause when we say like, okay, like the money is printed, it's like, well, 
how mm -hmm. you know and it's literally just they're fucking scamming us it, right? it's, it's the same as you 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 or me printing it out exactly and right and then shuffling our books around so that it 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 I, I had there's a great way to put it, which is legalized accounting fraud. <laughs> the United States of legalized accounting fraud. And, and not only, but it's global, right? Every single central bank and government are in cahoots and do the same thing around yeah, the world. Yeah. And then because... this is the, like for a long time, it was like the, for, for every dollar. So um, for every dollar that they had the reserve, right. They create nine. Yeah. Um, and then there are these reserve requirements and everything. And now it's and now it's zero. It's dropped to zero. There's nothing. It's fictional reserves. This is where we are. And yeah. I, I'm I'm happy that at the moment uh, my wife is reading uh, Twenty One Lessons by uh, De Gigi, which is an mm -hmm. incredible book for anybody new listening to the show. That that you can pick that up in many different languages go and go and find it uh because it's a very digestible book or you can listen to guy swan read it to you straight into your ears if that's you if that's what you need uh bitcoin yeah Audible. guy guy is great he's awesome actually i should send him this thing right now and he should i should see if he'll do it do a reading of it um yeah 100%. guys probably i think definitely someone who's really making a huge contribution to, to the Bitcoin space. I mean, it's just so easy to plug those things in and go through them. And especially how he's reading stuff that's kind of um, obscure and things that are information that's difficult to find. And he's bringing it to a, to a central place where people can access it. So. Yeah, he's brilliant. Thank you guy. Big shout out. Uh, I've learned so much just because I don't have the time to sit and read, but I do have wasted time driving so I outsource my reading to Guy. <laughs> the amount of information that I've managed to download into my brain uh, of him reading other people's books or articles has just been incredible. But uh, I, I got to ask, you said you wanted to learn sales. So you went off to become a, a car salesman. What did I teach you behind the scenes there? What what was your oh, it's take pretty away rodeo, from that? Man. Yeah, um, it's it, yeah, it's <laughs> super was savage. This, was this a main car dealership or secondhand? What what what's what was it the setup? Um, it it was. I mean, I learned both. Um, I was at a secondhand one, but they're all quite cl closely tied. Um, it's a yeah, it's a pretty ruthless system they have going on there. Um. I mean, like, I guess essentially how it works, um, at least in America, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same in Europe, is uh, there are people who just cannot afford um, to purchase vehicles, but because they don't understand debt, they're willing to take on debt because they think they need the car, they don't understand the debt. Um, so there's this whole class of rodeo shadow banks that do extreme high-risk lending um and basically these dealerships pretty much every single one of them um the majority of their business or at least the business where they make the most money is essentially essentially they're they're um loan brokers right the car is just kind of something you get as a bonus 
um, but they're selling loans for the banks. And uh, they're selling loans at um, approaching, approaching usury uh, levels of interest. Um, very, very, very high interest. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then on top of that, obviously the product um, that is being loaned is is usually not a very good product. Um, the value is in, inflated. I believe they're all colluding with each other. Um, you know, it, it's pretty. It's it's definitely infected by fiat for sure. Um, and the banks are just totally ruthless. Um, I think that and any and back to that Mandrake thing, like any amount of interest is usury um if uh you know if somebody has what when people borrow money now we're okay to pay interest because we believe we're borrowing somebody else's money we don't realize that the bank has just created it um right. so you know if we're lending money to somebody it's kind of like renting a house or anything you you, you charge rent on the asset that you could be using yourself so I could build my own house or I could rent my money for a return so that somebody else can build their house. Um, but that only makes sense if the root of the money that I earned, like uh, the root of the money I have, I, I actually earned through my effort and my labor um, that work went into, into acquiring it and having it. And thus, you know, it has value. Um However, if I'm just creating it out of nothing, then what am I, what am I charging? What am I charging for? And um, to, to, to define for those people that are wondering what the word usury is, it's, it's basically uh, an excessive or illegally high rate of interest charged on borrowed money. So if you are being charged an interest on borrowed money that has been printed out of thin air, it is by definition usury. So your mortgage or your car repayment or your sofa repayment or your washing machine repayment is usury. It is illegal by pure yes. definition because you are paying money back on counterfeit money. You're paying interest on counterfeit money. Yeah. I mean, yeah. drop the mic. Like that, that's, <laughs> that's where we're at. Be like paying somebody with your effort and time for monopoly dollars, pretty well, right? <laughs> Which we, we've this this has come up in discussion before about whether or not there should ever be an interest rate uh, on when when we enter a Bitcoin standard. Which you know, of course, there should be, but that would be decided by the the two participants or the free market on the. Uh, on that rate, right? It would be completely floating. It wouldn't be fixed. It wouldn't be centrally planned. It wouldn't be fucked with every six weeks by you know uh, the FOMC. <laughs> it's like it's such a mockery that like the system we yeah. live under is such a complete and utter total sham, Ponzi, manipulated shit show. And what we're moving to is going to be something so freaking pure and pristine. Like we're in this interim period now where we've had companies like BlockFi, perfect example, Celsius, these, these yield companies that are trying to 
financialize Bitcoin, but they're doing all the same freaking things as you would in a legacy financial system by trying to dictate the terms of the interest. It's like, okay, we're going to dictate if you give me a Bitcoin, we'll give you six and a half percent yield. It's like, no, it shouldn't work that way. Yeah. Well, I think the funniest part about all those things is just all that, all that, uh, chaos could have just been avoided if people just asked a simple question where does the yield come from there you go <laughs> there you go i still can't believe it but i mean i people are naive to things i mean that's why i think the nft stuff was was so incredible um and it was just such a well executed scam well, let's let's, let's dig into went... that because you're an artist, right? And, and so the 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 counter argument has always been, you know, as an artist, now I can truly own my work because of NFTs. Where where do you stand on on that and Bitcoin and artwork? Well, uh, I mean, NFTs are blatant scams. Um, they're anyone who's ever purchased one has been scammed. Um, the market may in some cases believe that um, what they've purchased has some sort of value, but it won't last. Um, I mean, I think where a lot of people got hooked into this is because of video games and things like how gaming companies will charge for different equipment or skins or things like that in the game. Um, and so in that way it can kind of, there's a lot of ways with a whole bunch of big brain, super smart boy thinking that, you know, NFTs can kind of make sense. Um, but I mean, as we know, the so-called blockchains that they're built on, um, are not verifiable and are not trustworthy. Um, and thus every anything that can be said about the NFTs is null and void after that, after understanding that. Um, that why I think it was such a successful scam is because it just played to people's fantasies. Um, it really played into kind of this whole idea we have of the way the world is going and the future and all that sort of stuff and made people feel like they were kind of ahead on something. Um, but then it also allowed these scammers who do not have uh, reputable platforms or or anything to go off of to reach out and under the the disguise of uh, new technology and and the way of the future reach out to naive artists and creators um, and get them get them to market the scams. So the scammers didn't have to do any of the broadcasting themselves because, you know, well, fuck these people. And also many of them are already known, um, but also who cares. But if you can, through a very uh, glamorous pitch, get somebody who's already a well-established artist to do a release with you, um, it's it was just sort of a reskinning of back in the ICO days when um, people would say, oh, we're doing a... We're doing a partnership with Amazon. We have a partnership with Amazon in the works. And then, you know, their shitcoin would explode or whatever. Um, 
it's sort of it's it's the same way like except back then it was all these companies these big brand name companies that were naive and didn't didn't want to be left behind and wanted to be seen on the cutting edge of you know new technology um and so it was basically just the exact same thing as the icos except targeting um artists and creators and uh you know many 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 i know lots of good people who don't have anything to do with bitcoin uh, don't have anything to do with crypto um you know that are selling nfts and think nfts are the future and that's kind of their involvement um and it's just because they don't understand the fundamentals um and yeah it's quite insidious in that way and and very intelligent i mean the scammers are very smart yeah because they're preying on people that believe that they are underpaid undervalued and under recognized you know that that's the life of an artist right even michael jackson <laughs> um what what uh, it's easy to prey on these people and then have them do your marketing for you because now if all of a sudden they're only selling their artwork as an nft um that they are legitimizing the the, the scam that y you have you know bought into the marketplace um yeah and the people that are buying them yeah like you say uh you know I, I have these battles with my son he's 12 he wants new skins for his characters on his you know computer games uh, we have to sit down and have like hour-long conversations about how that is such a waste of money why why would you do that yeah what is the point of that please explain to me like, what the point is you know this is instant gratification that you're looking for this is a want not a need and these are difficult and long conversations that you have to have. And you end up with unhappy kids. Most people aren't yeah. prepared to do that. Most people just want, yeah, yeah, whatever. Here's a fiver. Just shut up. I've got just got home from work. I don't care what my dinner I'm going to eat. It's like, you know, it's madness. Well, they have, to, they have to learn the lessons as early as possible, really. I mean, a lot of, I found like there was a lot of lessons that I learned. Um, kind of, but like in... I guess early teens, late teens, but then even kind of before teens, I don't know, like six to 10, lots and lots of lessons that I learned that uh, maybe didn't even actually have an impact or become useful until years later, you know, so like last week, I don't know. <laughs> um, because I think when, when we're young, we just think we're so smart. We think we're so genius and it's funny i'm not sure why it happens but uh you know we don't always kind of learn the lessons until we kind of screw something up and then we remember you know the lesson from when you were 10 years old or whatever and i think it helps engrave it you know much harder it's very difficult to understand uh a, a lot of this stuff when you're when you're young i think <laughs> especially yeah. money management right like and especially with the influence we have now you know it's like uh, everything is so material and uh you know like i love cars i love sports cars i think they're amazing but like it's cool that they exist but like why in the hell would i ever buy one <laughs> mm -hmm. like it would just be so ridiculous like if i if i if i want to drive a supercar like i just go to vegas 
for a week and rent one, you know, cost me nothing, you know, versus like sinking a house into a piece of metal. But um, my point on that is a lesson from my dad a long time ago is um, never fall in love with iron. And uh, that's something I got hit with over and over and over again. And I don't think I realized it until maybe five years ago, really. <laughs> Interesting. It, it took me buying, it took me buying a fancy car to realize that it literally is just a car. <laughs> did you, did you, did you get yourself a, a sweet ride? Yeah, I got, I got myself what I thought I'd wanted at the time. And, um, as yeah, a car salesman as well. It didn't take long to know I didn't, that it wasn't what I needed in my life. So. Come on, what was it? Please tell me it was the bright orange Lambo. <laughs> no. Um, no. <laughs> Those who are close to me know what it, it was, but now it's gone. <laughs> Even I, well, I got a more recent one of that. Um, so I had a, uh, I was working on building out, um, a Toyota 4Runner, so I was mm -hmm. um, putting putting all the pieces together on it, and uh, you know, spending a lot of money to get this thing really awesome. Um, there's some photos of the specific one on Twitter buried around, and I'll have some of this summer. But um, uh, so I got it queued up for some major upgrades, kind of right before last summer, and uh, it was supposed to be done for the start of summer and uh you know with how the world is right now and parts and missing things and it just ended up getting dragged out and uh i had one of my dad's old trucks sitting around and i was like well i'm just gonna i guess i'll just use this to go out into the woods because i go out uh camping and riding dirt bikes and spend spend as much as of the summer as i can in the forest and uh, so my dad's very, very old um, pickup truck, I was just using that over the weekends and camping in it. And by the end of summer, I realized like, man, I've built out this insanely sophisticated overlander, like military vehicle, basically. And uh, I actually don't even need it at all. Um, you know, this 2000 and early 2000s, pickup truck did everything i needed it to do for my whole summer to have no issues um so yeah once i finish now I'm, I'm finishing the build out because i want it to be like a made x truck and um do some kind of marketing stuff with it because it it is it's very very sweet it's definitely like when people see it they're like holy like it, it's one of those mountain king trucks so but then uh, as soon as i've kind of got enough content that i want with it then i'm selling it and i'm just going to be driving this this old pickup truck probably until until it dies and then i'll just find another one hopefully from kind of the same year range i mean new vehicles are just absolute crap and mm -hmm. i think that i think that guys who um you know it's one thing it's one thing to buy say you know like a porsche or ferrari or something or um you know even like a bmw and uh you know if that if that's just really what you want for yourself and you're really you know you really just love 
motors and I don't know what exactly the things you'd have to be obsessed with are, but if it fits with the things that you really care about. Um, but, you know, I think the majority of people who buy these things, because really it's a car, it's the only thing that matters about a vehicle is the people you're going to pick up with it or the people you're going to visit with it. Right. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys that get these things, they, they should learn to use a chainsaw instead. And I think that, you know, something as simple as knowing how to use a chainsaw well will fill kind of the, the voids, I guess, that these fancy cars make are marketed as that they will. Um, it's much more satisfying to be skillful with a tool than to own a fancy object. Yeah, totally is, mate. It totally is. Um, I, I hear exactly everything that you're saying there. As I'm in the market at the moment for a secondhand car, because my uh, 23-year-old Toyota Land Cruiser met an aquaplaning incident and is sadly no oh, longer no. with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, try and get uh, something something similar. I mean, yeah. these old vehicles are just, they're so much better in every I conceivable totally way, right? Because they they hadn't been entirely destroyed by Fiat yet. It's different years for different vehicles. Like the corruption happened at different times. Um, brands, I mean, the most... What, what fiat does to brands is uh, the brand, a brand exists because a product is of good quality. Um, but building a product of good quality is very expensive. And as soon as these brands disappear into venture funding or, or private equity companies or any of these financial instruments, um, the first, or especially, you know, public markets, um, the, the way of fiat is to gut the product to increase profits and keep prices the same, riding off of the historical value of the brand. Um, and basically, like vampires, suck the brand dry um, until the product is so shit that the trust in the brand is destroyed and the company dies. It's weird. I was um, only thinking They today. just keep sucking away on the others. I was just thinking today is like when Bitcoin car company where they just strip it all the way back just to pure engineering rather yeah, than I, all I the would... electrical gadgets and this kind of <laughs> If nonsense. someone else doesn't doesn't do it, I, I bet it'll be me that builds that. <laughs> all right, let's go. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that. Um, I love just right now the the current car that I'm, I'm, I just love so much is a uh, 1993 Mercedes-Benz SL. 500 or 600 mm -hmm. um just the interior in this thing is just so awesome i mean that that one specifically i i love but it's all those older cars like 90s and and back and not even late 90s it's gotta be early 90s it's more 80s i don't know but just analog analog switches like when you're the, this movement to screens in cars is the most ridiculous thing that's happened right like yeah when you're driving down the road and you need to make an adjustment you need to control something you need to you know make a change in the vehicle while you're driving like you should be concentrating on driving so analog switches you reach down and you know the shapes right mm -hmm. you know which buttons are which because of the way they feel so when you need to do something while you're driving it's easy to do 
you can reach not looking away from the road and do it. These touch screens, yeah, you know, you might as well be staring at your phone, right? Yeah. You, you, you have to take your eyes off the road. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, it's crazy. Uh, there's so much to be said for it. And I love the, it, it is around late, the early 90s that that all stopped. I'm trying to think of, because they are now becoming kind of like the classic cars and like the, the, the old um, Jaguars uh, from from that period, like 90 to 92, I think it's the yeah. old, um, I can't remember the, uh, the the old V8s that they used to make um, with a soft top. Beautiful cars. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful cars. Um, now look at like the shit that gets pumped out. Yeah. The shit that gets pumped out, it's just a reiteration on a reiteration of each other's shit. Well, all of the all of the yeah. car companies now are each other, just under like one yeah. one brand. And I mean, it's also another great example. And this is this is literally every single product we have today. Um, there'll be like the the brand new Sony headphones, twenty twenty three, the new Sony headphones. If you split these things open, they're exactly the same as the 2013 Sony headphones. Like there's been no innovation. Um, the only difference is they've just been repackaged. So year over year, all these fiat companies are selling identical products for more and more money when there's been no change or innovation to the product. I mean, the best speakers, if you're looking to buy speakers right now, the best speakers you can buy are back from you know 70s and 80s um even mm -hmm. 50s speakers will sound better than something that you get at best buy today because because everything is just being gutted and so this happens like i think i've spoken about this before but the reason that all of this is happening is because of what fiat does to the incentives and this is what bitcoin will will change i laughingly say that you know um a Bitcoin standard is about printers that work how they're supposed to. Like right. Computer printers. Like that's yeah, what we're talking uh, about here. When we're talking yeah. about a Bitcoin standard, we're talking about a computer printer that does its fucking job perfectly. Like imagine a world where printers work. <laughs> I can't. I've never had one. Yeah. But anyway, but basically it's so because the money is worthless, the incentive is to get the sale as soon as possible. Um, and there's no incentive. And then this incentive as well is for there to be a repeat sale. Mm -hmm. So like um, a good example is like the concrete sidewalks. It's like that are wonderful civil, our city workers poor, our wonderful state. Um, <laughs> you'll, you walk around today and you'll see sidewalks that were poured in, 1912 1905 that are in perfect condition i mean they're weathered and they're weared but they're not cracked they're perfect and then you see sidewalks that were poured three years ago that are just split all over the place um and the reasoning is because if if the money you earn is worthless then your incentive is to do a job that is good enough that you get paid today but a job that is not good enough that you that 
the job you've done will need to be redone in a couple of years so that you get the repeat sale because the thousand dollars you get paid to pour the sidewalk is going to be worthless in five years. So you need another thousand dollars. So the sidewalk's got to be poured poorly so that it can be repaired again. You can have the contract over again Um, versus on a Bitcoin standard or a hard money standard. The incentive is to earn the client's money. Um, The client, because the money has value, doesn't want to pay for something that he's going to have to pay for again in a couple of years. He wants to pay one, one time and have his problem fixed. So you'll find somebody in the marketplace that can do it correctly the first time. Um, and that person will earn the sale and then it'll be poured and it'll last a hundred years. Um, so this, this kind of just extrapolates out to every other product that you can imagine, right? Like even just another great one is kitchen appliances, like any, or any household appliances. Um, you know, I have a coffee grinder that works absolutely incredibly it's perfect and it's from the likely the 60s maybe the 70s early 70s and today it still works perfect this thing has ground tens of thousands of pounds of coffee i'm sure um versus like pick any coffee grinder off amazon and you know it'll maybe last you a year maybe two years yep um because amazon needs the repeat sale whereas back when this old school coffee grinder was made the name of the game was to not scam the customer the name of the game was to have to build relationships with customers for life it's so true man and i've just looked up the jaguar i was trying to find the jaguar xjrs um built the late 80s early 90s a six liter v12 awesome yeah you i mean imagine buying a six liter anything these days with a v12 no no what are you gonna get a ford <laughs> fiesta that's all you that's all you can have that's yeah. this a ford focus uh yeah brilliant thank you that's gonna you know die after a hundred thousand kilometers yeah <laughs> yeah we- no it's it's blown apart man slowly but i mean I think that that's what, I mean, that's the most exciting part about Bitcoin for me is that just the innovation. Like I remember growing up and, uh, you know, my dad was always just so interested in the new technology and year over year, he was like, oh, the technology is getting so good on certain things. And it was for quite a while and mm. then it's kind of stopped. Um, but that, that's what I'm excited for with, with Bitcoin, you know, if we can hopefully in our lifetime reach a bitcoin standard just year over year everything is going to get better and better and better and uh you know we don't have that currently like right now by buying you're, you're better off buying a vehicle from 10 years ago than from today a brand new one and pretty much any product that you can imagine well like you said you're not buying the you're not buying a vehicle you're buying debt yeah that's what they want you brand. to buy yeah yeah on that on that debt thing um i got the review of the uh, mandrake thing here um that i'll just pass over to you guys which is the much more solid um explanation um so basically first the fed takes all the government bonds which the public does not buy and uh writes a check to congress in exchange for them um it acquires other debt obligations as well 
um, but gov government bonds is the majority. Um, there's no money to back up this check. Um, the fiat dollars are created on the spot for that purpose by calling those bonds reserves. The Fed then uses them as the base for creating the nine additional dollars for every dollar created for the bonds themselves. The money created for the bonds is spent by the government, whereas the money created on top of those bonds is the source of all the bank loans made to the nation's businesses and individuals. So the result of this process is the same as creating money on a printing press, but the illusion is based on an accounting trick rather than a printing trick. So the bottom line is that Congress um, and the banking cartels, they've entered into a partnership which um, the cartels have the privilege of collecting interest on money, which it creates out of nothing. Um, it, and a perpetual overdrive on every American dollar that exists in the world. And then Congress, on the other hand, has access to unlimited funding without having to tell any of the voters or the people that their taxes have been raised through the process of inflation. Um, yeah, that's pretty well the full summary. Right. <laughs> so Clown world. everything you touch, that's, that's why it's, it's hollow and broken. Um, Cause the value has been stripped out of it. This is great. I'd really recommend anyone listening to this, read the Fiat standard. It's, it's got some excellent, excellent content on this whole sort of thing. And yeah, um, it's a, it's, and Guy Swan actually did the, uh, did the audio recording for it. And it's very good as well. Um, yeah, they I, yeah they they shared it, didn't they? Safe and Guy were reading um, uh, like alternate chapters or something. Yeah, I think um, I think how that happened is Safe recorded a few chapters himself to market mm. the book, um, and then he had Guy do the do the rest of the chapters. It's a great read. I mean, the the opening chapter is just very. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I. I I'm just thinking right now of that, um, the section in it, which I, I can't remember. I believe it was one of the Austrian guys that was talking about, um, or, or maybe it was just the example that Safe gave. But no matter how many tickets you print to, you know, a football game at a stadium, um, you know, if the football stadium seats 100,000 people and you print 200,000 tickets, um, that doesn't mean that there's suddenly 200,000 seats in the stadium. The stadium still has 100,000 seats, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's it, it's no matter no matter what you do, it's the it's the our labor and effort and our our minds and our cunning and our ideas are at should be the basis of of all the money that there is. You know, not debt and nothingness yep so let, let's talk about um your work with uh bull bitcoin how, how did you end up there and you know what let's do a let's do an unofficial chill yeah um well bull i uh became very good friends with francis um and uh yeah i just worked on essentially the brand and um the identity and and merchandising so we 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 have uh we were planning to launch um a merch store for for a whole bunch of cool bull stuff that i've been working on 
Um, but it's kind of a bear market. So we're just rolling it over. And I think we'll probably still leak out um, some products. Um, and currently you can join uh, our, if you're Canadian, you can join the mission at Bull Bitcoin, which is essentially, we created a, 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 pro, a, a program where you can onboard Canadians and, and essentially get paid for it. And we wanted uh, wanted to build a system where people could, if they were really dedicated, um, they could take on uh, marketing Bitcoin as a full-time job um, and be able to kind of earn enough to, to make a living. Um, so that program is, is launched in full effect right now. Uh, I've got a lot of merchandising stuff coming for that. Um, and then we're also going to, we're going to release the store at some point. I mean, bull is pretty, I guess some people probably haven't heard of bull Bitcoin. Um, we're the greatest Bitcoin company in the world. Uh, <laughs> actually it's not, and it's not, it's not a shill because I'm sure that other people like to say that. Um, but ask any user of bull Bitcoin in Canada about our service and about our product. Is it Canadian only things. or can anyone else plug into it? We're currently Canadian only. Okay. Um, we're working on international expansion, which is happening slowly. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, in the finance world, there's a lot of moving parts. But that's coming together because we're very tired of being the best Bitcoin company in Canada. Um, because if if we could service the world, we would definitely be the best Bitcoin company in the world. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, it sounds like a shameless shell, but just ask anyone who uses our services. Um, and they'll tell you how it works. I mean, we built bull Bitcoin for ourselves because we needed a product and, you know, we needed these financial services as Bitcoiners. Um, you know, another, another example that, that, um, that it's not just a, you know, a shell like we're, we are entirely self-funded. We have no, um, venture capital money at all. No private equity money, no, nothing like that. So, um, you know, we're never going public this is a Bitcoin company and it exists primarily so that um, our employees and our founders are able to um, operate within a fiat world uh, running on a Bitcoin standard personally. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, check it out. It's going to be very exciting when, when we expand um, to other places. I just cannot wait to, to not be Canada's Bitcoin company anymore. So let, let's um, let's tell the plebs what it is. Like you know, what 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 should um? How do we look at bull Bitcoin? Is it an exchange? Is it you know? Let, 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 let's build it up yeah. from the very base. Well, so it it's a place where you can buy Bitcoin, so you can um, connect your bank account, or you can do e transfers or wire transfers or any any basically traditional finance way of moving money. Um, you can purchase Bitcoin from us at uh, zero fees. Uh, until a million dollars and a million dollars a fee structure starts. Um, and then the primary service on the other side is we offer bill payments. So in Canada, you have the ability to exist without a bank account and run entirely on Bitcoin. Um, so if you, you have a gas bill, you have a phone bill, you have a, you know, power bill, you know, and any, any bill that you can imagine, including tax bills, um, you can pay them using Bitcoin without the payee knowing that you've used Bitcoin. Um, so this essentially, if you, if you have a credit card, 
um, which you can get without a bank account. Um, you can operate in Canada running 100% um, on Bitcoin, obviously. I guess 99.99% because you got a credit card. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the, the primary stack. Um, then we do all the other sort of services that are common in Bitcoin place, um, like dollar cost averaging mm -hmm. buys. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the primary. So, you know, if, if you're in Canada and you're listening to this, like check it out, bullbitcoin.com. Um, it's a great place to buy. And then also you can start actually uh, managing the expenses of your life thinking in bitcoin which is very cool awesome man so fingers crossed i mean without any whatever you're allowed to say is there any chance we see bull bitcoin hit this side of the pond over in Euroland? uh yeah it's possible i'm not sure exactly um where you're at but uh yeah one thing i know for certain is not the united states mm. um so uh, Europe has more of a chance than the United States. Yeah, hundred percent. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. The United States, Bring it. despite We're ready its for claims, you. despite its claims at the United States of being a free country, um, it's entirely oh, a psyop. There's nothing free on. about it. Come on, even the U.S. listeners, you guys must know that, right? Please. It, it, I find it amusing when they will come at me when uh, you know it's Fourth of July. You're like, oh my god, guys, really? You think you're free? Please stop yeah. the madness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be one thing if uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there, are, there are places, basically, if you're in a place where uh, you're in a country, you're in the woods. I mean, that's the same thing in Canada. I mean, Canada is a horrible communist dictatorship. Mm -hmm. um, as is France, it, as is the UK, can, as yeah, is anywhere. Absolutely. Um, you know, just sort of some, some things in Canada that are shocking, but true. Um, so homeschooling is illegal here. Um, you, you can do homeschooling, um, but you are required by law to teach the government propaganda mm -hmm. and you have to provide basically proof that you are doing that. Same in France. Um, private medicine is illegal here. Private healthcare is illegal here. Um, mm -hmm. there are loopholes and there's ways of, uh, kind of tricking the system to be able to have uh, a private do doctor. Um, but yeah, you're not allowed. Um, so those two things just tell you, you know, the state of Canada pretty, pretty clearly. <laughs> um, the tax rate here, um, by the time you've factored everything in, um, in the highest brackets is about 78%, um, which obviously is quite high. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, only about 32% away from full slavery. <laughs> um, you pretty much can't build anything here or do any major infrastructure projects um, as an individual. On uh, all the property in Canada that you own, you don't actually own it. Yeah. Um, you you have a lease with the crown, which is Same quite shocking. I think um, the majority of Canadians, I think, don't even realize this. Um, the the bureaucracy in the permitting process to accomplish anything is is inconceivable um it's continuing to get worse and worse and worse um we have no gold um you know we are destroying our energy sector natural resource sectors while demanding um free shit for everybody um 
you know, the the money supply over the whole COOF era uh, went up over 500%. So we have that incoming. Um, the inflation is, is completely insane. Um, you know, the government will say it's whatever number, but I think it's probably 25 to 30%. That's like my rough guess mm -hmm. just on the basic stuff. Um, many things have inflated by cost uh, hundreds of percent. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's a, it's a bad place, but as soon as you get out of the cities and into the countryside, um, you know, they're very busy with their zoos. So they kind of leave you alone out in the woods. Um, so that's where I try and spend the majority of my time. And that's where the majority of good people are, um, within Canada. However, all much too trusting and, and much too kind. Uh, are you staying? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm staying. Um, Alberta is my home and they won't take it from me. Mm -hmm. So all we need is a hundred, hundred to a thousand men with pickup trucks and we can make a change. <laughs> <laughs> so the, currently there's a pretty aggressive separation movement here. Um, that's my motivation. To, to stick around um do they it's a long ways away but do they understand bitcoin about it do they understand bitcoin or do they need like the, well, the extra help to get there um i think be, what it's kind of like that bell graph meme where you, you kind of have like the midbrain people that are like mm. well actually and then you have, you know, the smart people being like, printing money is bad. And then, you know, the dumb people are like, printing money is bad. And then like, you know, basically on that whole scale, the, only the intellectuals, um, the monument builders are in the cities. And so anyone in the countryside that is on either end of that bell curve understands that, that what the government is doing is, is horrible. Um, obviously, I think we've seen on the international stage the freezing of people's bank accounts for their opinions um, without warrant or or cause. Um, so I think people are waking up a lot here. I'm seeing I'm seeing the buzz. Um, I kind of live in a bias section of the world or a section of uh, of this place. But um, one thing that's really awesome is that our uh, the leader here in Alberta on, in the political world is um at least saying all the right things currently is that um, paul Yev? and no no that's uh this is danielle smith so okay. he's the leader of alberta um and uh you know in the past uh like francis um was on her show a couple times um you know we've had uh, some of my associates and stuff we've had dinner with her several times and so she knows about Bitcoin and, you know, I don't want to, she's in office right now, so I'm not sure what I can say or not, but um, she's definitely aware of the Bitcoin world and what's going on. Um, and of course, in Alberta, we have uh, heavy ties um, in mining because of the oil and gas sector. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge amount of flare gas mining and more and more companies getting on board with it and building out mines. Um, so, you know, there, there, I think there's hope here. Um, that's another, that's why I'm staying definitely if there was somewhere to go, uh, I'd be there already. Um, but this is kind of, I guess 
really seeing how kind of to say on the brink we were um is that there's 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 no safe place to um escape this that this uh i guess it's crone it's like a dead capitalism with like rotting crony communism growing from its corpse and that's just seems to be the earth um i don't know where you can go and every everything has trade-offs <laughs> like um i i've I had a friend say dubai go to dubai mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like there's no fucking way i'm going to dubai man like mm -hmm. you know and that, that this was back when i was actively looking um you know i think like maybe it's an interesting place that there, there's a lot of opportunity in south america but as a foreigner going in there, um, I think it would be very difficult um, to be left alone. I think what what my approach is in in Alberta currently, and and uh, what a lot of the my friends and other people I'm connected to is the approach is just kind of you know they say all these things and they do all these things, but then what is the kind of actual effect on our lives, and then. Um, you know, because they can say they can wave their wands as much as they want, but how do we actually respond to that? And also, how does it affect us? So, for my own infrastructure sake, um, I've been building relationships with farmers and building food supply chains outside of you know conventional, I guess, uh, you know, like the big box stores and also even any other stores, and kind of trying to go straight to the source. Um, recently bought a cow from a Bitcoiner that um, I found on Twitter, which has been great, paid for it with Bitcoin. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's lots of cool stuff. And I mean, like Alberta people, we're a lot like, I guess, Americans in the sense of uh, Texans. You know, they say that like Texas is our, is our sister um, state. And uh, it, as soon as you leave the cities, it, it, it's true. I mean, we've got good values and we look after each other and, you know, we help, help each other out. And there's a lot of that good community in the, the bush, obviously, because um, for, for example, you know, there's a lot of snow up here. If you got, if you get stuck coming out of your driveway or something like that, like you call your neighbors, um, you know, whereas in the city you call like a tow truck company. So the community is kind of, kind of lost. Um, I like to say that, I mean, like the state's approach currently is like high, high, high government and hate thy neighbor. Um, and that's, yep. that's very difficult. Uh, that's very easy in the city when you can use your phone to order, um, you know, food to your door, you can order anything you want to your door. Um, you know, if you need something, it, it's like, it's very um, you know, you throw your garbage out in a bin that the government has convinced you is their responsibility to take care of. And, you know, everything is, it, it's very easy to kind of believe all of their bullshit. Whereas obviously when you're in the country, um, it's you, right? You're, you're on your own. So you better be good friends with your neighbors and you, and you better, you know, have some infrastructure for yourself to be able to take care of yourself. Um, and, and, and those sorts of things build good principles and good values in people, um, especially value of life, because you, you know, can understand how, how quickly things can change versus, you know, being in a pod in a high rise condo with climate control. Um, you know, if the power goes out when you're, uh, 
uh, when you're in the countryside. Uh, you better have a solution for it ready. I hear you, brother. I hear you. Um, yeah, let's hope. Let's hope freedom just starts sprouting from this this Bitcoin movement that um, we're all part of. I, I I'm gonna have to ask you the final question because it's uh, I, I don't know whether you've ever heard this one before, but we'll go with it. If you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to, and why? Um, <laughs> one last one. Hey, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I guess they're kind of looking like for somebody known, like a known person. I don't know. Like I, I immediately thought of somebody in my family, but um, they, I've already been slowly working on orange pilling them. So um, yeah, I don't know if that's an interesting question. <laughs> I'm kind of on that, uh, like I'm not, I'm not really orange pilling people anymore. Like when I was new into Bitcoin, I was so excited about it. And I think it's a common thing that when people are new, um, they want to onboard everybody and they want to kind of get everybody going with it. And then you kind of just, I guess, eventually get tired of hearing the same stuff over and over again and you kind of lose that charge. And I'm definitely on the like TikTok next block kind of, I'm using it as a tool to help me transact internationally. I'm using it as a tool to preserve wealth for myself and my family. And um, fortunately, it's reached a, a, a point where it will always be that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess myself in 2009. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why not, huh? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or even when I first discovered it. I mean, when I first started fucking around, like my first coin was $70. I wish I could say I fucking had millions, but, you know, it takes a long time to understand what the fuck we're dealing with here. It truly does. And uh, hopefully conversations like this are going to go a long way to helping those that are following behind us, you know, at our beaten path and learn from the mistakes we've made and, you know, download the knowledge that we've managed to download and go and find their, their own resources and their own, their own route into the rabbit hole. Um, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's my hope for anybody listening to these podcasts or anybody else's or reading anyone's articles or watching anyone's videos. Um, this is how we get there. Uh, you know, what one person at a time, it's, totally. um, it's not a, it's not a sprint. Like this is going to be the money for the rest of our lives and probably ever. Yeah. So we're at this monumental point in in our species uh, evolvement uh, and evolution that uh, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It leaves me speechless every time. And having conversations like this with yourself, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, giving up the time and uh, and sharing all of your knowledge and everything that you're doing, all the work that you've done at Bull and will continue to do and all of your own projects. 
waking people up uh, one at a time. Uh, I hope to to meet you at some stage, whether it's this year or next year. Come pull me aside at one of the conferences if you happen to be there, and you know, let's share a bit. Sure. Yeah, that would be great, man. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and um, I'll see you uh, one day. Fingers crossed. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you very much for having me, and um, yeah, good luck to everyone out there, and just stay positive and focus on focus on building. Absolutely. That is that is true. That is the call to action. If you've got a project, what's holding you back? Doesn't matter what it is. Writing, reading, singing, dancing, right? I mean, bring it. We're, we're ready. The community is ready to support your efforts. See you later, brother. Okay, thank you. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that rip with Spaceball. Thank you for coming on, brother. Thank you for everything that you're doing in the Bitcoin space, building and uh, raising awareness and just working for an awesome company. That's the the, the, the big takeaway here. If you remember right at the beginning, he was asked by Lauren, what's your favorite thing about Bitcoin? The people. That is so true on so many different levels. And we talk about this a lot at Orange Pill App, the uh, the idea of the social layer of Bitcoin. Because how long have we been sitting, you know, slinging shit at each other or at other people on Twitter? but not actually getting out there and meeting each other and having these kind of conversations and realizations and being able to sit down together and start building something to really further the education of of everybody else around us. So that is the the social layer. And I think it's it's gonna become more and more prevalent over the next couple of years. So an unofficial shill there for Orange Pill App. If you're not on it, you can sign up. If you go in via the web, go to orangepillapp.com, you can sign up and uh, start your membership there and pay via Lightning. Uh, It is a paid app because they want to keep the spammers and the bots and the crypto bros and the NFTs away from this circle jerk, if if that's the kind of language you want to use. But it is very important that it is all signal and no noise. Uh, also, the social layer, conferences. This is what happens at conferences. Even if you don't buy a ticket to go inside the actual conference, just get to the town that's hosting the conference and you will bump into so many Bitcoiners and plebs at side events that are just as important where you can sit down and have these conversations and share big ideas. Again, the idea of the social layer. If you do want to get inside the conferences, there's some great ones coming up. Miami, of course, is going to be in May. You can use the code BITTERNET to get a 10% discount across all your ticket purchases. BTC Prague is shaping up to be huge. Sailor has been announced, as you know. There's going to be more announcements coming up. I'm looking forward to seeing many of you there. That is in June. You can hit the links in the show notes. Use the code BITTEN. Liberty Now Lifetime is returning this year, and it is going to be in October, again in Prague. What's going on in Prague, guys? Lots of Bitcoiners are in Prague. Hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, get to that. Get to the website. Make sure you're looking out for further information. There will be a code spun up for you to get discounts on that one, too. And uh, yeah, the Baltic Honey Badger. 
is going to be the first weekend of September, and that is brought to you by Hoddle Hoddle, a supporter of the show, the peer-to-peer global trading platform. Keep using Wasabi Wallet if you are interested in learning more about the CoinJoin and enjoying that little trip into that rabbit hole. And Stack, Stack Safe, guys. You can use Swan, Relay, and Coin Corner, all supporters of the show, all great Bitcoin companies, all dedicated to helping you stack Bitcoin and get educated as well. And go check out Bull Bitcoin. That's where Spaceball is from, and they are doing great work across the pond in Canada. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you on the next show.